East High. Howdy, folks. We're back. Huzzah. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, it hasn't f- it hasn't been a while for you, but Tyler and I haven't seen each other in a while, so. Oh, yes. I moved. We are now recording remotely again. Womp womp. And I'm about to start school and again. Me too. Double womps. <laughs> and, if the, and if the audio falls out, you, it's because my internet is bad. Yay. But no, I mean, we'd edit, out, edit it all out anyway, so you wouldn't notice, listeners, but we will feel it in our hearts when we're editing it. <laughs> Scream inside your hearts. <laughs> I think about- Hey, Condra, what are we- <laughs> Oh, okay. This is- uh, Wildcat Minute. This is Wildcat Minute, right? <laughs> yep. This is Wildcat Minute. We're talking about High School Musical, one minute at a time, talking about Minute 35 today, which starts with the end of Sharpay's questioning to how many times Kelsey's works have been chosen for a production, and ends with Troy being alone. Oh, man, I hate it when Troy's alone. It's a big sad. I could be with him, just saying. <laughs> he wouldn't have to be alone. We could be together. <laughs> also, I'm Tyler. I'm Condra. We're the amateur nerds. <laughs> That's 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 an intro. <laughs> it happened. We got through that intro there. I feel so rusty, and it just hasn't been that long, though. I have no reason to feel rusty. We did record early for last week's episodes. We recorded, like, on a Wednesday instead of a Friday. So it's been, like, so a it week actually and has a half. Been, it has, has been a little while. But, um, yeah, so we're still in the middle of this conf- confrontation, kind of quote-unquote, between Sharpay and Kelsey. Sharpay's being all like, well, I've been in so many plays, and how many times have your your plays been used? Kelsey says, this would be the first. Yeah, and then Sharpay's like, well, then what does that mean? <laughs> and and Kelsey, Kelsey gives a good line read here. She says that I should write you more solos. <laughs> Honestly, her delivery of that reminds me so much of from Monsters, Monsters Inc. Inc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The scare floor will be... Painted <laughs> empty. It'll be empty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm glad you had the same no. exact thought that I did because I was like, will be yeah. painted <laughs> in my notes. Um, maybe that's what Kenny Ortega, that was the note that he gave them. He was like, you know the scene in Monsters, Inc.? And they're like, yes, of course we do because we're good servants of the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> servants of the mouse. It's basically the uh, whole there, world There's a title now. for you. Yeah, basically, you're right. No, what, what I was going to say is, yeah, so Kelsey says, I'll write you more solos. And then Sharpay says, no, it means that I don't want any direction or commentary or what was the third one she said? Suggestions. And she's kind of walking forward and Kelsey's walking backwards. Into her piano in, bench. Yes. In a combination of intimidation and fear. Yeah. Respectively. Yeah. It's, yeah, Sharpay, like, she's like a lioness finding a weakling like and is like <laughs> I, I am attacking this thing she's she's very vicious Kenny Ortega okay Sharpay Ashley Tisdale have you ever seen the Lion King you're <laughs> yes I'm a good servant of the mouse well you're like a lioness <laughs> but you know what I mean though like she is she's out to get Kelsey and it's like yeah yeah we all gotta start somewhere yeah and well and it's weird yeah because She's like, just be glad that we're lifting your music out of its current obscurity. It's like, no, obviously it's obscure. She just wrote it. <laughs> also, who are the who are these big record producers being like, oh, what are Sharpay and Ryan doing this this term? I gotta make sure I check out Sharpay and Ryan. What what songs are they singing? Oh, this song is a good song. I'll, who wrote it? <laughs> like, 
There aren't <laughs> careers aren't being made out of high school performances. Just saying. I was wondering, and maybe you know this because you are more in tune with theater things, but how involved are composers and lyricists in the production of a play? Like, are they, do they, like, oh, this is what I was thinking when I wrote this piece, or do they just, like, kind of, I guess it depends on the play and how, like, involved they are in general? Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends on the play, but it is the sort of thing where, like, you know, in, like, it's very good if you have, I mean, I've never been in, like, in a production like this. But what I'm imagining is kind of like this audition where they have, you know, the com- if the composer is there, well, there's like a musical director almost. And so there's like like a director and like a musical director. And basically the musical director is like the person who's playing piano while things like while they're doing a scene. And so I guess it would be nice to have the composer be like the musical director. So like in auditions, the person who wrote the song is being like, well, you should sing it like this. This is kind of how I pictured it. Like you should sing it with this type of voice and this type of inflection. And obviously it's a cooperation between the the director, director and the actor and the composer to be like, okay, this is kind of how it's going to sound. Because when you're doing a play for the first time, right, the actors are kind of originating the roles, kind of inventing how the song is going to sound. So, I mean, it, I, it, it, it definitely depends on the show, but I would imagine that, yes, a composer definitely has a big part to play in influencing how the music is going to sound throughout a musical. And a lyricist, I mean, if you just wrote, like, if you're Stephen Sondheim in West Side Story and you just wrote the lyrics and Bernstein wrote the music, I would imagine that that was more of a hands-off thing. Because once the lyrics are done, they're done. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know, like... I hear, I guess I hear about it sometimes in movies and stuff. Like with Aladdin, I'm guess I, I guess I'm thinking of like they changed some of the lyrics once they figured out who was singing because like some vo- some words just didn't sound good and as they were rewriting the script and stuff. But I guess like a movie's music comes so much later than the rest of it a lot of the time. Yeah. That- and there's also the idea that like right the person who wrote the music isn't necessarily the per- person who writes all the sheet music for all the parts. Sometimes it's just like a person wrote the music and then they're kind of like, okay, bye. We're like, like every kind of smaller task gets handed off to someone else. Yeah. Like the score is not necessarily written. The person who writes the score is not necessarily writing the musical numbers. Yeah. And you know, the conductor and like, there's like the orchestration and like, there's so many different parts to it that, you know, just writing the song isn't always they know the end all be all of it. Yeah. But especially especially in a high school production where like Kelsey's clearly very involved in this process. It seems like she's going to be at rehearsal every day, kind of having a large creative role in this, almost to the point where like she's a, pr- a producer in some way. I wonder too if this is like a credit for her, like she's getting, this is like an assignment, like a, not, not quite a thesis because like she's only a junior and stuff, but like like a junior show kind of th- like this is the culmination of a course's work or something, and like she's this is her final in some ways, or maybe something like that. Like maybe it's a class or something that they these students get the opportunity to write a pe- like pieces for a production. And that's why they put on so many a years because it's part of a class. Maybe if they had like quarterly. Yeah, if they had like quarterly classes with quarterly productions. Though high schools are usually more on a semester basis. Yeah, but I think still like you have enough or it could because I mean, we're coming towards we're in January, which is for some schools their end of their first semester. I always remember like in 
high school, like, having, like, we got back from the holiday break, and then it was, like, two weeks later, and it was, like, finals and stuff, and I'm like, well, I've forgotten everything. I have to relearn it all for <laughs> finals or midterms. Yeah, but it doesn't. I mean, the turnaround of this play is fast, but I, I don't imagine it's like one or two weeks fast. I was I was still imagining it being like, you know, three or four weeks. Seems like even if they were on our high school schedule that the semester would have probably changed over. But there's no way of knowing this sort of thing. We're just kind of taking stabs in the dark. Yeah, we're still trying to understand how the scheduling of all of this stuff works. The big game is in January. The decathlon is in January. The, the winter the, musical. The academic decathlon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not, not the track decathlon. Yeah. I, I guess I'm too much of a nerd that my thought of decathlon is an academic style of decathlon and not the running <laughs> kind. Well, there's running and jumping and throwing. Anyway, Sharpay gives Kelsey, well, Kel, well, okay, here we go. Sharpay goes something like, is that understood? And Kelsey goes, yes, ma'am. I mean, yes, Sharpay. <laughs> yeah, because Sharpay would definitely be angry getting called ma'am. Like, that's a 100%. I mean, I don't, like, I don't actually know what the, like, the gist of that joke is. Because, like, I don't know, if you say yes, ma'am, to, like, someone who's doing, like, an authority dominance thing to you, that's, like, perfectly reasonable. Unless Kelsey thought it would sound patronizing to say yes, ma'am. Or there's, like, an age, I, I don't know, I, it could be, like, an age thing. Like, she's making, sh- sh- like, Sharpay thinks ma'am is an old term like a term for someone who's like older and she's not so how dare you call me ma'am yeah i I don't know it doesn't really matter it's just kind of a single moment and then sharpay kind of holds it back up her shiny studded microphone and goes nice talking to you into the microphone i don't know if you caught this she says it into the microphone so you can hear it on the speakers like in the theater which i'm like would everyone else everyone else would have heard that like did they hear the rest of this conversation was it just i mean (laughs) when you're talking on stage you can usually hear the rest of the conversation anyway yeah but the microphone being there and still being on and still being loud like and charpay's not being quiet yeah. And then, yeah, Sharpay does this thing where she kind of walks off all jauntily as if she wasn't just very mean to someone. She clonks her heels on the stage. Yeah. Clonk, clonk, indeed. I just, I noticed that. Cause... Well, the stage, yeah, is usually made out of like a nice, nice wood where it's really clonky. Yeah. And then it turns to Darbus doing last calls for auditions. Any Anybody else? No? Okay. Once, twice sold to Sharpay and Ryan. <laughs> And then Troy and Gabriella are still kind of hiding behind the wall. And they're like, Troy's like, we should get out of here. Yeah, she's yeah. Darvis is like calling, looking around. And Troy's like, no, we have to go. And Gabriella is like, what's she doing? She's going in? She's going out? And then, well, Miss Darvis does this fun hand gesture. She goes done and then like holds up her hand and then reaches over and turns off the light and grabs her little bag. Her bag, you know, it looks like a very like, like knitted hippie bag, but I think it's actually a nicer purse. But it is very colorful. I didn't notice it enough to to comment. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, she's wearing all these like shawls and scarves. She's layered. It would make well. sense if her bag, if it would make sense if her bag was, you know, kind of like the like a droopy like sewing type bag. Yeah, I think with like lots of weird colors in it. I wonder. I don't know if you know my Renaissance Fair bag last year. It was like it's like an over the shoulder patch quilt kind of thing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, not like the listeners at home would know what my Renaissance Fair bag is either, but... But I think... 
I think patch quilt is a very, very good word. Yeah. I, I also consider my bag a hippie bag, so I wonder if it is on that idea. Yeah. I, I need to get a new bag for Run Fair, though, because it just doesn't match my outfit anymore. It just doesn't match your outfit anymore. No. Yeah, so Miss Darvis grabs her bag, and she starts walking up the aisle to be done, and then what what happens is, oh my god, Gabriella bursts out and goes, I want to audition. And Darvis is like, I no. I don't actually remember the exact line. <laughs> I'd like to audition Miss Darvis, I think is what it is. Okay. And Darvis is like, nah, timeliness is important here. Y'all In are the late. Theater. She didn't um, say y'all are and late. And she's like, yeah, all the, all the individual auditions were done a long time ago, and all the, there's no more pairs, so... Sorry, young lady. And then, oh, wait, 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 Troy's reactions, which are arguably some of the best acting in the whole movie. It's so funny. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah, she walk. Yeah, Gabriella walks out, and he goes like, "What? No!" Ah, and he like yeah. moving his arms really dramatically. And they're like over his head, and then he like puts them out, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm trying to think of like a com- a comparable scene in like a movie. It's like when you're watching sports and they like they like like the football team like makes a fumble or baseball player like makes a a really bad error and you're like ah you're like holding your arms out almost checking for rain like with your arms held wide out. You're like how how could you do so something so astronomically bad? Yeah, I'm trying to think, too, if there's, like, a good reaction. Yeah, I don't know. It's so over the top, but in, like, the right way, it's very endearing. To to Troy, yeah, like, volunteering to sing in front of Miss Darbus and other people in general, like, to do it voluntarily is, like, no, like, that's that's bad. Scary. Darbus is out to eat people. <laughs> and then you're right. So Miss Darvis, she she must say something like, "And you don't have anyone to audition with, do you?" No, she says there's no more pairs. There's no more pairs. Yeah. And then from behind a wall, <laughs> Troy walks around the corner with his arm raised, saying, "I'll sing with her." And it's so well, he says he says, "I'll sing with her" before he walks around the wall. So it's like, who who? Where did that voice come from? Who's Mysterious. behind door number one? And Troy's well, got like his hand a classic raised. Movie. It's so cute. Yeah, classic movie entrance of like someone says something and then they walk out from behind a curtain. Except the audience already knows who it is. Like, yeah, but you know, I mean, it's classic like theatrical type language where it's you hear something before you see it. In this case, played out very literally because he's still behind the wall. And then you're right; it is funny that he has raised his hand and he's like holding it up with his before, other arm. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a very heavy hand to be holding up. <laughs> and Miss Darvis goes, Troy Bolton. Ooh. <laughs> and then she makes a pretty rude comment about his lack of posse. Where's your sports posse? <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, team? <laughs> and then Troy is here alone. So. Yeah. He says, actually, I'm here alone. And that's kind of where we leave off. Yeah. But, you just, the way, I mean, way you said, um, I'm here. I'm here tonight alone, or I'm here today alone. Um, the Muppets, the Fozzie Bear with his puppet when he in the Edgar Bergen episode. Um, check- actually, I spent the night alone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. We need to explain this bit because I, I have I have an idea that no one knows what we're it's talking about. One of about. the greatest comedy so it's an episode of, all of time. the. 
It's an episode of The Muppets where they have a ventriloquist on, The right? Muppet Show, yes. Not The Muppets, yeah. which was another TV show. Yeah. yeah. So Edgar Bergen, who is a very famous ventriloquist that kind of inspired Jim Henson to kind of get into puppetry. Like, it was part of his like, oh, this is a really famous puppeteer. Like, let me try it. Yeah. And he had like a very, very traditional like wood puppet ventriloquist act. Char- Charlie was his other one, I think. I don't remember what more. No, Mortimer was his secondary one. What was his primaries one? I don't know. But basically, in the Muppet Show episode, Fozzie Bear comes out to do, you know, his version of a ventriloquist act. But, you know, it's Fozzie and he doesn't understand that ventriloquism happens. He just thinks that the dummy talks. So he has Fozzie with a puppet and he's like setting up the puppet for a joke. But he's like, why aren't you answering? And what's the the uh, the joke is like, hey, what's the what's what's Fozzie's puppet's name? Chucky. Chucky. I think so. He goes, hey, Chucky, I I heard you went out last night or something like. Yeah, like who was that girl I saw you with last night? Charlie. Oh yeah, Charlie yeah, yeah. McCarthy is Edgar Bergen's main puppet, and then Mortimer Snurd is his secondary one, and Chucky is okay. Fozzie's. Is Mortimer Snurd like a like a dumb yeah, one? Yeah, he's kind of more like backcountry farmer type. Okay. It was bothering me that I couldn't remember his name. Stereotypically. Yeah. And yeah, so Fozzie's trying to get this puppet to talk, not realizing that he's the one supposed to, that's supposed to be making him talk. And then the whole the whole thing plays out where Fozzie gets mad and storms off stage, leaving Chucky on stage, where, whereupon the Chucky doll rises of his own volition <laughs> and goes, actually, I spent the night alone. <laughs> it is actually very so scary. Good. Like, when you're a small child, I... <laughs> I remember being like kind of weirdly scared of this concept of the of the dummy talking for itself, despite the fact that we're watching the Muppet Show on which a bunch of non living puppets are talking and singing. Yeah, but it is probably like one of the most famous Fozzie Bear comedy, like because Fozzie has all of his like little comedy attempts during yeah. during different episodes, well, yeah. and it's probably like one of the most famous ones. Yeah, I mean, there's a good grief, the comedian's a bear. Classic, um, absolute classic. And then usually it's him interfe- interacting, not interfering. It's Stadler and Waldorf interfering <laughs> and them interacting. That where That's where that comedy yeah. comes from. And then like he does some, he does a stand up one with, oh, what's his name? That the guy, the guy helps him fight back against Stadler and Waldorf and they get overwhelmed. And I cannot remember who that one is. I have no idea. No need no. for us to recap episodes of the Muppet Show. This isn't this isn't Muppet Minute. This no, is there's a, th- Wildcat there are already minute. people that have covered the Muppet movie one minute at a time. If you're interested, go check them out. Okay. How Wrap about we how up. about we call this episode over? Just like <laughs> we've had enough tangents. I like talking about the Muppets. I could do it all day. Oh, and you know, the Muppets are owned by Disney. <laughs> so no matter what, we are servants of the mouse. <laughs> It's going to be the episode title. Sorry, folks. I just wanted to bring it back. Okay. Uh, where can people find us on the they internet? They can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. Or me personally at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. I've been on a hot streak recently because I've been living alone. So all I have to do is think of these dumb thoughts in my head and tweet them. For example, I I thought of, you know, the, the little, you know, blinds, you, like, like you like you lower yeah, them down. Yeah. If you take one of the bars off the blinds, it's like a slap bracelet. Saw that. (laughs) I I tweeted that. Um, You can send us an email at amateurnerdspresent at gmail.com. Just what I'm saying is that's the type of hard hitting humor that you want in your life. You can follow my Twitter. Special thanks to our artist, (laughs) Theo Golden. (laughs) 
at T Golden Heart on Instagram. And our music was composed by Joseph Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. I've been Condra. And I've been at Tyler Booty on Twitter. <laughs> and you can find us next time on this show, Wildcat Minute. Just kidding. My name's Tyler. You can bet on it. <laughs> <laughs>